You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm t- Tom Knezic. Uh, Tim, Tim I'm Timmy not Tim. today? I do get Tim a lot. I'm Tom Knezic. <laughs> this is episode 78. And today we're joined by Hubert Ling of the Native Plant Society of New Jersey. And uh, Fran and I were just saying that this was another organization that was on our initial list. Our initial list of like 20 organizations we had to, to get on and... It took us to episode 78. Episode 78. Native Plant Society on. We got there. We're slowly checking those those original 10 to 20 off, but I'm I'm glad we were able to circle back to this one and and get to spend some time because this is a great organization um, that I think we need to spend some time with and just kind of explain what the benefits are and and what they do and why it's important. We know it's important, but... uh, Like I said, this is the the Native Plant Society in New Jersey we're going to be talking about, but there's Native Plant Societies or Wild Ones chapters across the entire country. So wherever you are, there's a place you can get involved. But this is an organization that uh, when I got out of college and I, I came back and started working in the nursery... This is really where I started to learn a lot more about native plants. It was at a nursery, yeah, we grew native plants, but we were growing them. It was it was a, a profit center yeah. for us in, in a way. And then it was through uh, a lot of folks I met through the Native Plant Society, like Hubert and Bob Swain and Kathy Salisbury, a lot yeah. of our old guests as well. It's, it's that, a lot uh, of passionate people. If you, if you want so a group much. of passionate people about native plants, you, you can, mm-hmm. really can't beat it. Yeah. So with that, uh, Hubert, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself, and then we'll start talking a little bit about the Native Plant Society. Hey, uh, I'm Hubert Ling, and I'm a president of the Native Plant Society of New Jersey, and I've been there since uh, just about the start of it. Uh, I was there a little bit later than uh, the, I think I came to the second or third meeting of the Native Plant Society. And I've been the uh, horticulture chairperson for um, most of that time. All right. And and if you don't mind me asking, when was the the first New Jersey Native Plant Society meeting? Well, the uh, first uh, Native Plant Society meetings were in uh, 1983. Wow. And wow. we started in um, the Frelinghuysen Arboretum with uh, Quinton Schleider. And we had quite a few people there. We had uh, Bruce Hamilton of Rutgers, uh, Bob Swain of the Dawson Corporation. It's been around for a long time. He was a charter member. Uh, Bill Flemmer from Princeton Nurseries. Uh, Betty Knorr, who is a really great plant propagator. And there were a few others. And then I came along, too. Wow. So how does – so the meeting starts before we – I guess we are talking about the history of it. <laughs> but what – What's what prompted the organization of it? Was this like a chapter of an, a more of a national thing, or this was just like, hey, we're going to get together and this is we're passionate about this and we want to start an organization? Well, uh, Native Plant Society has been around for quite a while, okay. And New Jersey did not have one, but uh, Native Plant Society started probably 20, 30 years earlier than that, or maybe longer, <laughs> not exactly sure, but um, and uh. These people got together and they said, we ought to promote native plants. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're important. Uh, they're important to the environment, for the insects and the birds, and and for us. So uh, they decided to get together, and um, the Morris County Parks System uh, was the host, and they invited everybody right in, and uh, uh, everybody thought it was a great idea, and then we started meetings. One of the things that always surprised me, having grown up in like the internet age, is that how did how did all these folks find each other? That <laughs> they found out that they're all interested in native plants. Like now, it's oh, you go on Facebook and you can find a, a hundred different groups about native yeah. plants that are mm-hmm. local to your area. But back then, it was because it wasn't like a real business back then. I mean, and that's the beginning of our company. And there were some some nurseries that that focused in it, but it wasn't the business that it is today. No, uh, yeah, we didn't have all these uh, various forms of communication, Twitter and Facebook and all sorts of things. Uh, we used the newspaper. <laughs> I read the newspaper. <laughs> those, yeah, those were a thing back then. <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody used to. I used to deliver newspapers. So uh, uh, we thought they were important, and that they really were. Everybody uh, had a subscription. Newspaper boys delivered right to your door every day, and you'd start the day off reading the newspaper. So you'd get the newspaper, and uh, you'd have breakfast, and so that was basically our means of communication. We used the radio too, but I think newspaper was the the big thing, and uh, sort of sad to see it uh, disappearing now. You know, I thought it was interesting to hear you mention William Flemmer. I I worked at Princeton Nurseries for nine years, um, oh, you did. and you know, for for someone that had as many plant patents as Bill Flemmer did. He loved native plants. A good portion of our product mix were straight species native plants. He loved mm-hmm. that product. And even though he, he had all these patents for for varieties, mainly of, of native plants, you know, he that was always a big staple of the nursery. So it's you know, it was nice to hear like that name get thrown in knowing the importance of native plants and wanting to be a member of that. Yeah, there were a lot of familiar names on that list. But so what brought you to the, the Native Plant Society, Hubert? Well, um, I had been interested in native plants since I was a young boy. And I had a native plant garden in Delaware when I uh, lived there. I was at the uh, University of Delaware, a uh, professor there. And I was looking around for a native plant society. Delaware did not have a native plant society. Uh, we had a... Um, a a couple other environmental groups, but uh, no Native Plant Society. And then we moved to New Jersey, and um, very shortly after that, I saw this ad in the newspaper that there was a Native Plant Society forming, and they were looking for uh, supporters, members. And I said, wow, there we go. (laughs) I don't have to start my own. This is a lot (laughs) easier than starting your own. So so I joined right in. And, And how many initial members were there? Well, we had at the first meetings, we had about um, 10 people, and it started going up to 20 or so, 25, and that's what we had for quite a while. Uh, when we called meetings, we had uh, we, we met at um, the Frailing House in Arboretum. Then we met at the Turf House in um, uh, at Rutgers because um, Bruce Hamilton was there mm-hmm. and uh, helping us out, and... Uh, then we um, had annual meetings at the uh, garden club, um, the log cabin, uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, the garden clubs of New Jersey, their uh, headquarters. So uh, 
Uh, everything worked out pretty nicely. And it was a very small group at the beginning. How many, what's, what's current membership roughly, if you know? We have about 700 members right wow. now. The uh, pandemic really helped. I mean, we started the pandemic with about 300, 200, 300. Oh, wow. And we ended up with about 700 uh, currently. So uh, it's really brought it up. People did were really looking for something to do. And, you know, ours was a good outlet for them. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I know you mentioned a lot of of names, industry names that, that we found familiar, but can anyone just join the Native Plant Society? Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. uh, mostly now we're headed towards uh, home gardeners now. Okay. We were quite heavily uh, uh, corporate uh, industries and uh, landscape people, and uh, now we're heading more towards um, informal gardeners and um, – we do still have a few, uh, quite a few uh, industrial people there. Uh, Bob Swain and uh, Rusty Bell is still there. And uh, so we have uh, many uh, corporate members, but we have uh, a majority are now uh, home gardeners. So I, I have a question that, that I just thought of, <laughs> of course, because that's how it works. And and maybe this is a tough question that, to answer, but with the switch going from more professional to maybe more home gardeners, does that spark any drama um, or difference? Because it's you have people that are just starting and just starting to learn, and and people that do this as a living. Is mm-hmm. there any? Does that bring conflict at all, or or is it for the most part har- harmonious? Oh, I think it's pretty harmonious. Okay. Uh, we're, we're generally laid back. I think botanists live longer than anyone else. So <laughs> we're kind of, as you know, and then the worst is a, uh, a cell biologist or, you know, biochemist uh, because the field keeps changing so quickly and they've got to keep on top of it. But, uh, you know, the, the plants sort of stay the same. They, the names change, but um, that's not too bad. You know, it's um, it, it's it's funny you say that because I know even with we've had a history of uh, uh, not customer appreciation dinners, the symposiums, professional symposiums that we used to put on, and I've heard of instances of of drama with a conflict of of opinion oh. over over how to. And these are people that know each other that just voice their their opinions that they're of a different opinion, and that's why I just didn't know if if that was something that occurred. No, we're we're doing pretty well. There are personality differences, <laughs> and we like anything. Else. As a, as an association gets bigger, those those are more prevalent. And I think it's the uh, the age nowadays when people do speak out quite uh, loudly and and uh, forcefully. <laughs> so uh, we uh, with the the uh, more home gardeners though we do need. Um, We've seen the need to sort of back up and not assume they know how to put a seed in the ground, you know. So we're going to some of the basics, and they, they, um, we've been, it's been suggested by our chapter leaders that we, you know, go down, uh, really back up and uh, start defining everything: the parts of the flower, the uh, uh, how you put seeds in, uh, when you put seeds in, how you get the ground ready and all that sort of stuff. The, the real basics. Yeah. That's a, an interesting point. Because, and I remember from um, a, a nursery business session that I was in, they were talking about a, a focus group they had on a plant label and I had the instructions on how to plant the plant. And they're going through the instructions with this focus group. And it started out with a uh, dig a V shaped hole 
and that stumped everybody because they couldn't figure out how to make a V like they were drawing a V on the ground, not a V going into the ground. And yeah, they said a lot of people couldn't get past step one because we assume, oh yeah, V shape hole. I'm digging a V into the ground, but a lot of people just couldn't. They didn't have that background knowledge that that's what you were supposed to do. It's a good practice not to assume because we get it a lot on the podcast where we start talking about something and we'll get listener feedback saying, can you mention common names? A lot of Mm -hmm. times you're always in botanical names or things that we just take for granted because we're dealing with it every day. And and even here at the nursery being in sales, I get questions sometimes that I'm really shocked that I'm getting because I'm we're wholesale and I'm dealing with professionals. And sometimes I get questions that I'm like, really? Like I just assumed if you're in this business, you would know that. So it, it's just a good practice I think for everyone. I mean but we see like that personality conflict or that that different sometimes on social media. And I think in social media, people are, are even more apt to be vocal because there's no repercussion <laughs> because they're not face to face with anyone. And that conflict, you know, they can deflect it a little bit easier, but, but yeah. your meetings are, are you meeting in person at this point or is it still um, via zoom? The, some of the local chapters have just started meeting and uh, we do have, um, you know, the masks are sort of encouraged uh, we've had a um, a planting and a dig and a weeding session, and we encouraged masks if you're close to each other and um, when you're picking up the food and that kind of thing. And um, they have had uh, garden tours, uh, plant exchanges. We had our seed exchange in person. Um, but uh, we're trying to keep it um, fairly as safe as we can. Mm-hmm. So we do have masks and we suggest masks when you're picking up the seeds and uh, when you're picking up your food and that kind of thing. And uh, probably when you're taking a hike and everybody's all in, you know, a single file there, uh, wouldn't be a bad idea to have your mask on. And uh, especially for older people, you know, like us that are really susceptible to it. Uh, I think it's probably a good idea. And we try to keep the masks on most of the time, you know, they're a real pain in the neck. (laughs) (laughs) now hubert you brought up the chapters uh, a few times so why don't we talk about the structure of the native plant society because you have the the big native plant society in new jersey but there's all these different chapters can you go into that a little bit okay sure we have um nine chapters nine active chapters and the great thing about chapters is that you um people don't want to drive more than about half an hour so if you want to water somebody's garden or do weeding, weeding or watering, you don't want the garden more than about 30 minutes away from you because then you're spending all your time driving. And with traffic and everything, it can be a real pain. So you need chapters, local chapters, so that you don't have to go too far. I mean, it could take you an hour and a half, two hours, or in rush hour, it could take you four hours to get anywhere in New Jersey. So um, we we need the... um, the locations of where you're going to work, where you're going to go to a meeting, um, where you're going to meet all your friends, uh, fairly close. Mm -hmm. So chapters allows us to really expand. So with nine chapters, there's one that's not more than half an hour away from you, maybe 45 minutes at the most Mm -hmm. away from anybody in New Jersey. So that really helps. It builds up the membership. It builds up a... uh, a core of people that are used to working together uh, and, you know, they're, they, they can become friends. 
and that helps a lot to cement the the leadership of a of a chapter. So um, we have um, for many years we didn't have any chapters when we when we first start off. You don't have any chapters, and then gradually we got a couple people came forward and said, "Well, we like what you're doing, and we would like to start a local chapter." So we had two chapters then, one in Highland Park and one in the one that we called the North chapter because it was Northern uh, as far as uh, the state is concerned, at least it was sort of North central. And uh, that was near Morristown. And so we had two chapters for another five years or so. And then, then after that, uh, quite a few, I, it became in vogue, I think. And quite a few people approached the native plant society. We didn't really recruit. They came forward and uh, Kathy Salisbury, our president at that time, went around and sort of vetted everybody. And um, she, she tried to select people that uh, knew what they were doing, knew something about native plants, uh, had organizational skills, and had a plan for the future. And uh, if you had that and it, everything looked fine, uh, then we set up a whole bunch of guidelines so that we could uh, sort of regulate this thing. So we have a, a written set of guidelines on what chapters do, how they do it, uh, and what uh, resources the uh, state uh, association is going to provide for these chapters. So that's worked out very nicely for us. And um, the the chapters are very active, especially the, the our latest chapter in Hudson. I mean, um, we've got um, four uh, webinars coming up from the Hudson chapter in November, wow. <laughs> which is a bunch. <laughs> wow. So that's, we're not sure we're going to do that again. <laughs> so that's good. I, I, I would imagine you have a, a range where some chapters are, are more active than other chapters, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that helps pick up the slack a little bit. Now with nine chapters, are they more county-based, or is it just like a certain area? They're uh, Yeah, they're basically county, uh, okay. Bergen County and uh, Monmouth County and Hudson County. But, uh, you know, of course you – you can cross the lines uh, if you're close to a chapter. Um, theoretically, at least, you're allowed to do uh, activities in any ch- any chapter. So if you're close or they've got a really exciting program, you know, just take a hike and get over to the the chapter that uh, is presenting something that you'd really like to see. And we've been all the way down to Cape May almost uh, looking for a uh, or- orchid uh, uh, seminar. <laughs> so with with all the chapters and the, the state organization, there, there's room for someone to be more involved if they want to be other than just being a member. So I'd imagine each chapter has a committee and then there's the, 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 main, the main governing committee. Well, the chapters are pretty independent. Okay. Uh, they have their own webpage. Uh, we want the, their webpage on our website. All right. But uh, besides that, they can sort of do almost anything they want. Uh, we provide them with uh, a whole $500 a year, and that's it. <laughs> so you can spend it the way you want, you know, buy refreshments, you can buy plants and uh, pay for speakers, but uh, we sort of limit it to that. Okay. And uh, it uh, seems to work out pretty well. People do, some chapters don't even spend their money, which is good because I'm not sure we have a budget for $500 for each chapter, uh, but uh some, some uh, many chapters you do use up uh, their their funds for the year, and they um, they're allowed to also uh, solicit funds 
also on their own, but we want that to go through the treasury. So at least we have an idea of where, what funds are coming in, where they're coming in from, and we can redisperse it back to them um, that way. So we have a little bit of control. So speaking of funds, does it is there a, a charge to become a member? And, and if so, what are some of the perks of becoming a member of the Native Plant Society? Well, we charge a whole $20 to become a member. And uh, once you become a member, that gives you um, uh, access to uh, activities that are members only. Some of the garden tours um, and hikes um, are for members only because uh, they're limited. We try to keep hikes down to about uh, 10 or 15 people. We don't want huge crowds. Uh, it does sort of disturb the environment quite a bit if we have too large a uh, group. Uh, we have discounts on the annual meeting, uh, 33%, which isn't too bad, one-third off no. at the annual meeting. In fact, it's so high that the annual meetings are usually $60, and uh, it's a $20 discount if you uh, are a member. But that's the uh, annual charge for the uh, our membership. So um, almost everybody buys membership if they go to the annual meeting <laughs> because uh, that's sort of built in. Yeah. Um, you can also vote on uh, plant of the year if you're a member and uh, you can help select the leadership and influence the chapter leaders to, uh, to take initiatives that you would like uh, them to take. So you can feed back into your chapter leaders. You can feed directly to the leadership of the Native Plant Society and uh, just push uh, whatever initiatives you want to. If if you were to like want if you were recruiting someone right now and someone said, "Hey, I'm I'm interested in being a member of the Native Plant Society in New Jersey." Why why would you feel it's important for people to to be active and and become a member? Well, if you really are interested in preserving native plants and um, contributing to the the environment that way, um, you can do a lot more if you have numbers. Um, there are a lot of different areas that uh, you cannot handle on your own. Uh, so we we share our strengths as we we come together. We uh, have new ideas. We bat around new ideas every every board meeting that we have, and. Uh, if you have a lot of people doing that, um, you can, with their experience that they have, first of all, they can let us know what problems there are. And uh, they have all this expertise, you know, thousands of years of expertise are gathered together there. And they can tell you some of these ideas are not going to work. Uh, we've tried that already. <laughs> we tried that years ago and it didn't work, you know. So um, there's a lot of strength uh, in, a, in a group. Uh, and the larger the group gets, uh, theoretically, at least, there should be more strength there. Uh, so uh, I think uh, a large group really helps um, direct you, you know, to give you real direction in areas that you can really do something and uh, practically. You, you know, I think with with some of the names that you threw out when we when we first started about early members or people that are members if you're a beginner gardener you can't you you couldn't hope for a better mentor or group of mentors to help you learn the right way to do something or or share their experiences because this is such a that invaluable group of mm -hmm. 
of experience. If you were to total the year's experience in restoration and native plants, uh, it's I can't think of better people to learn from because those are names that we turn to to, to ask questions. Um, Mm-hmm. And and many of which have been guests on our podcast, yeah. so we could we could have them share their experience, and you would have access to these people, <laughs> yeah, well, just by becoming have, a member. Uh, we, yeah, just by becoming a member. Uh, well, even non-members, but <laughs> yeah. can do have access to. But uh, I think with, if you take membership, you're you know you feel a lot more a part of it. And uh, on our website, you can contact the horticultural person, which uh, we get a quite a few. Uh, uh, hits that way, and uh, the president and uh, all the chapter leaders are all listed there. So, uh, yeah, there's a, an incredible amount of knowledge and people that are running these gardens are, who have uh, changed uh, grasslands into meadows and uh, who are running fairly large gardens. So mm-hmm. some of these are fairly good size, extensive acres in size, and uh, yeah, they're they're beautiful and. It's not easy for a beginner just to uh, pick up and, and you know, uh, turn a couple acres into uh, a garden. Oh, exactly. Is there is there ever any interaction with native plant societies in other states? Like is there ever any crossover or, or just communication of what they're doing and what you're doing? Well, there is a um, national um, sort of headquarters for the native plants societies. Okay. And we're just starting to look into that a little bit. Uh, we get a couple of emails from them every once in a while, but uh, we haven't done too much with them. We, I would love love to have a little more interaction with them and uh, invite them over. Uh, we just put up this, um, you may be familiar with it, the 200-foot uh, uh, Joe Pie weed mm-hmm. that uh, is in Jersey City now. It's, you know, it's really fantastic. It, it's such a great venue for... Um, gathering in all the native plant societies and the conservation groups in the area to uh, have a meeting there, except there isn't very much parking there. So <laughs> if we can solve the parking problem, I think the, uh, I was told that the, uh, the leaders of Jersey city are very welcome to having uh, meetings and things like that. It's uh, they're welcoming that kind of thing. Um, if we can get some parking there and figure out how we might be able to do that, that I think that would be a great to, uh, invite all the media, uh, the people in the area that are interested and in, and get them on board and uh, just meet them face to face and uh, discuss things and listen to talks together and we can start from there. That would be I think that would be great if we can do that. Now, I know you mentioned the the two hundred foot mural, um, and we've talked about that mm-hmm. quite ex- a lot. Do you do you know how that came about, or could you tell us a little bit how that oh, yeah. came about? Okay, well. Um, we're getting an article written on that, but um, the um, the artist that that did that um, don't have her name right now, but uh, she um, she's done murals around the world. So uh, and she was looking for a topic for Jersey City, and I believe the way it goes uh, don't have all the details straight, but I believe that uh, some of the people that are now in the Hudson chapter, the leaders of the Hudson chapter, uh, were in on that discussion, and um, they uh, suggested a native plant such as the Joe Pye weed, and uh, that was taken up by the artist, and uh, there we have it. Uh, it's a new building, 
if you look on Google, the building isn't there. (laughs) Where is this building? But if you look really carefully, there's a construction site going on. And uh, Google's uh, photo, aerial photo, was taken, I guess, three or four years ago. There wasn't any building there. But uh, there it is. It's coming up, and it got painted right away. It got painted uh, this year. And uh, there it is now. And uh, I think we really should take use, uh, make use of this really spectacular venue. It's, it'd be great to have a meeting there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's such a, a wonderful tribute to native plants in a place that I think you don't expect it, but it sends such a wonderful message. So, um, yeah, it's even that the, the leaves are partially eaten by, yeah. by beneficial insects. It's just, it's like a love letter to native plants in a, in a yeah. picture. It's a, it's a I hope it stays thing. there for quite a while. They, <laughs> yeah. they are thinking that it might come down or the paint will be peeling after, you know, three or four years, I suppose. Or, but uh, it'd be great if they could repaint it or something. <laughs> oh, I agree. I agree. Now, with the the annual meetings, there's typically two. Well, I guess, yeah, it's a, there's two annual meetings. You have a spring meeting and then a, a fall meeting. Um, and traditionally, those were one was held in. Uh, southern New Jersey, and the other one in northern New Jersey, at least what I consider northern New Jersey. Uh, and what was, I guess, the logic behind that was just to get people from down south were a lot more likely to go yeah, to the a, one in Bedford versus... It's a long trip. It's a trip for us to go down south, and yep. it's a trip for them to come up here. Yeah. Now, so, uh, what are some of the highlights that some of those meetings uh, have had in the past for speakers and, and those kind of things? Well, we've had... Um, uh, a lot at the beginning, we had a lot of corporate speakers. So we had, uh, you know, how you turn uh, uh, concrete into uh, native gardens, uh, uh, commercial sites, and so forth, uh, decorating uh, parking lots, and um, and just what commercial people did. Uh, they're large, some of the large projects. Um, but uh, now we're doing more on um, home gardening because uh, of the home gardeners that we have. And uh, since I have a uh, science background, I'm trying to put a little bit of um, basic botany into the uh, into our programming. So uh, we're going to have uh, James Boyer from the uh, New York Botanical Gardens. We have a lot of people from the New York Botanical Gardens this uh, November coming up. And he's going to talk on the, uh, the dawn of ecosystems, you know, how these plants got there. So uh, I don't know very much about how plants got there. I know a little bit about uh, plant uh, um, evolution, but uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, how these uh, landscapes uh, came to being. And then we're going to talk about the, uh, the uh, um, importance of the old growth forest versus the younger forests. And um, these are really underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And there's so few tracks of old forest really mature forest we have so few and we're cutting those down new jersey so (laughs) i can't see how that should be done so we have uh, john maloof of the um um, old growth forest network speaking to us and then we have a couple of uh, uh, basic plant id programs coming uh in november um on on, uh, identifying native plants and uh, another a basic talk on converting your front lawn into a uh, native plant habitat. Those are all fantastic topics. Yeah, and now that conference is coming up probably, I guess, when we launch this is going to be November 5th. 
and that's November on six. Yeah, Saturday, so that's the Saturday. 6th. So yes, it's coming up ho- Saturday. Yeah. Hopefully, you're listening to this, and uh, and and it's still Friday, and you have time to sign up <laughs> because this is all virtual, correct? Oh yeah, it's all virtual. Sign up yeah. anytime, uh, even while the conference is running. Yeah, and uh, we hope we'll have a. a Great program for you. I, I know we'll have a great program for you, and uh, you get something out of it. And you can also suggest leaders for the uh, native plant site. You can volunteer to be uh, the president and <laughs> <laughs> vice president. Tom, and you don't have enough. Else. You don't have enough going on, Tom. I, can I nominate Tom yeah. for, yeah, yeah, for sure president? You can. All right, Go ahead, Tom. So, that's great. And you can do it too, Fran. Yeah. <laughs> we need experienced leaders. So, Hubert is a. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that you could sign up during the conference because I, I don't remember if it was last fall's conference or this spring's conference that was also virtual. And I actually did that because I forgot it was going on. And I was like, that conference has to be coming up soon. And I checked the website and I just found out, oh, it's it started like an hour ago. So I actually signed up and I watched most yeah. of it uh, from uh, while I was doing some, some work. You're welcome. You can out. come in and you can come out. It's going to be all day long. So yeah. if you... Uh, want to come in in the afternoon and we'll sh- give you the schedule. You can, you know, come in, uh, go eat lunch. And uh, actually we, we leave a little bit of time for lunch. You grab a snack for half an hour or so and you can watch the whole thing. For those that join and maybe join late, is the conference recorded where they can go back and rewatch uh, some of the segments? We have to ask the speakers okay. if they want to, uh, if they will allow. And I think three of them will be recorded and kept up for a while at least. And right. uh, one, I think, uh, re- declined that. Uh, okay. All right. So even if you join a little late and you miss something, you hopefully you can go back and, and rewatch yeah. it or, or rewatch it a few times so you can take mm-hmm. some notes or get something out of it. Um, you mentioned earlier the seed exchange, and I thought we could talk about the seed exchange and maybe some other programs that the Native Plant Society uh, holds. Sure. Well, the seed exchange um, – the horticultural chairperson um, uh, arranges that, and uh, we've got a lot of uh, things for him to do, or her, that person to do. <laughs> and uh, so uh, what you need is a freezer. Um, the seeds stay uh, around a lot longer in the freezer. Now, some of them don't make it, but uh, some of the really small seeds just disappear in about a year anyway. But um, m- most of the seeds do pretty well in the freezer. Uh, and uh, so you need a freezer to put your seeds in because some of the seeds aren't even ripe yet. So the seeds that don't ripen before the seed exchange, uh, we have to collect them the year before and then save them. So uh, we ask for donations from everybody, and uh, we've gotten um, the corporate growers like uh, Pinelands uh, contributes uh, quite often to seeds, and um, we had uh, the corporate members donate. Uh, some of the butterfly groups will donate seeds to us, the butterfly, the uh, milkweed seeds. And uh, Duke Farms donated this year to our uh, seed collection. And uh, so then uh, the horticultural chair will publish a list of the available seeds. And we had a, a, over 150 species available mm-hmm. this year. So that was pretty good. That's our best we've ever had. We had 97, I think, was the most we had before, but we had 150. And some of these are uh, very rare seeds. And um, so if you want to grow something unusual, uh, here's your chance. And uh, so this is open for members only. So it's a benefit for the members. Um, 
Now, we used to have these seed exchanges uh, in the in-person meetings. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we'd have a big uh, 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 mob scene at our table there with uh, hundreds of packages of seeds flying out. Well, we can't do that as easily now, and we haven't had a large in-person meeting yet, and we're not even sure when this is going to start again. So uh, we're doing it by uh, mail, uh, by email, and uh, then we only have one in-person site for pickup. So this really limits the participation because not everybody wants to drive a couple hours to pick up the seeds. Uh, and then I don't want to mail seeds to everybody. It's, <laughs> it's a real hang-up. And then it's expensive because it could, you know, it could be $10 or $15 to mail the seeds to everybody. And if you have 100 uh, seeds to go out, uh, packages to go out, that's quite a bit of money. And we've been doing this for nothing. So, um, uh, I mean, we're not, we haven't been charging people. So uh, that, that becomes difficult. So we have one location. Uh, we, di- we did it this year, and we've been doing it in Highland Park. We have a nice little preserve there by Mary Denver's Preserve. So uh, you go there and pick up the seeds. Uh, I package them all up, and um, I'm, hort- I'm still working in horticulture. And, uh, and um, you know, it works out very smoothly. Uh, everybody went in and out of the parking lot. Uh, there's enough room. You can actually get two cars next to each other and pass each other in the parking lot. So uh, it went very smoothly and uh, pretty quickly. That is a wonderful program. You know, the the biggest complaint we hear a lot from our listeners are just a lack of availability of native plants. And, and so many have started growing from seed and wanting to learn how to collect seed and, and grow from seed. And they're even exchanging seed on their own. What a wonderful program for those that are interested in native plants that that you can get the expertise on on how to handle the seed and get your hands on seed that that you maybe can't locate plants or seed elsewhere for. Yeah, that was always one of my favorite parts of the the in person conferences, and I never took anything. I, we just always gave stuff, but um, was just walking by the table because you said it was like a flurry of just little envelopes and stuff. But I always yeah. like to just browse and see everything that was there because there was there was things I'd never even heard of before that were. Uh, just little tiny packets that someone had, had left so that other people couldn't take some if they wanted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and for those listening, if you didn't garner this, uh, <laughs> that Hubert is the horticulturalist that sets up the seed exchange too. So <laughs> it's, I can tell it's a lot of work because like you said, there's a hundred different species or this year is 150. That's a lot just to keep a track, uh, keep track of, especially when it's a little tiny envelope of this and a little bit bigger envelope of another one. And, and then, but it's good you got a lot of interest in people wanting to come and, and uh, trade some seeds. Yeah. Well, yeah, the great thing about it is uh, I come from a uh, rather uh, impoverished background. Mm-hmm. At least we didn't have very much uh, expendable cash around. And you can grow millions of seedlings and millions of plants. And it doesn't cost you anything. I mean, it's a little bit of labor and uh, soil, which is pretty cheap. And uh, there you go. You've got plants, the little seedlings coming up all over. And it's, I think it's the greatest feeling just watching these little seedlings come up yeah. and say, gee, look how much money I could get off of these. You know, <laughs> these are $10 each. I've got 10,000 seedlings here. This is quite a bit of money here, potentially. I mean, it's an infinite amount. That's a that's a wonderful program. What other types of programs is it 
are, are there other things like that? Is it more speaker oriented or I, I heard you mention hikes that are member only hikes? Well, we have uh, quite a few different kinds of activities. We have, um, uh, we have hikes, we have garden tours. The, the hikes are slowing down a little bit because, you know, the pandemic and mm-hmm. um, uh, various groups have hikes or some of them are suggesting self-guiding hikes. Okay. Here's a nice park. Why don't you, go to this park right now because um, things are out now and you can uh, try this trail and park here. And uh, there's some beautiful parks um, and some really um, uh, with a lot of rare stuff. And uh, we have to, I think, uh, make a a larger list. Some of these have been available, but we should try to make more of these available for everybody. Um, You know, recommended hikes and things. So that's another thing we could be doing. Um, we, we have, um, the, uh, plant exchanges, we have hikes, we have plant sales, and these can be done by the, um, the local chapters, um, which is probably better and they have been doing them because, you know, you don't have to travel so far. So, uh, there's quite a few activities and our, uh, webinar committee, of course, is very active. And we also have an art committee now. So we have a resident artist, oh. and that gives us uh, signs and banners, and um, we have a shop with mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of uh, things in there, um, T-shirts, tote bags, folding stools, um, uh, all sorts of products that uh, they will ship out because <laughs> it's a real pain to ship. <laughs> and, uh, of course, it costs you a lot more money when you do that, but... Uh, when we open up the uh, in-person meetings again, uh, then, you know, we can distribute some of these materials without the shipping costs, which uh, are considerable. If you want one mug or something, it costs more for the shipping than it does for the mug. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, and we it, actually have some of those mugs here. I, I'm looking around. I'm and I just find uh, I, oh, I see it. I, I see it. I was going to say, I know where mine is, and it's not in here. I just switched my mug out. All right, Tom, okay. Tom has it. Yeah, we have uh, – we have the, I was really, going to say, I know I, it was on my desk, but uh, okay. if you're watching, you can kind of okay, see the mug a, here. A this Pine is Pine Gentian. Yes. It's a Pine Barrens yes, Gentian that, that we got. By, for, uh, uh, Vicky, Vicky Katzman, exactly. our artist, yeah. did that. And it's it's unique. I mean, this is the only place in the world you can get that mug. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's beautiful. And we were we were very fortunate. That was our gift for for speaking at a uh, Native Plant Society in New Jersey okay, uh, yeah, conference. Yeah. So we were we were very ecstatic to to receive that. We, so. we should give out some more of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you know now that you have all these resources, all these great programs? I'm assuming that. Members and non-members can find them on your website. What are some of the resources that that people can find on the Native Plant Society of New Jersey website? Well, uh, we have a crammed, old-fashioned welcome page. All right. A lot of the welcome pages now have a big photograph and then little drop-down boxes here and there. Well, we have crammed information. Just scroll down the, the web page. We have the drop-down boxes, and we have a, a small picture. But we've got everything else there. Every, almost everything is listed right on the front page, so you just scroll down and find it. Uh, we like it. Uh, I mean, it's an old-fashioned page. Um, it's nice because there's no searching. It's uh, it's yeah. no trying. It's all it's <laughs> on there. <laughs> it's all it's almost all there. Well, you can find out about native plants on our website. Uh, a list 
lists of which plant to plant where, um, sources for plants, uh, like Pinelands. Um, we have all the events. You can click right on the events or you can click on the, the events uh, drop-down uh, uh, slot. Um, how to become a member, uh, legislation. We just started up the legislation committee. And uh, we have two people on that and uh, really active people. And they're looking at all the legislation. And you'd kind of be amazed there are dozens Mm -hmm. of native plant bills in our legislature. They're looking at it or thinking of looking at it. And there's about, you know, half a dozen or so that are are coming up this year. So um, that's that's important. We ought to have a voice in that. That's really fantastic to hear because that's one of the things I I really advocate for a lot is – is through mm-hmm. even just municipal government, not even county or state level government, you can get a lot accomplished with advancing native plants. And um, and there's a lot of this nat- uh, native plant legislation, like you mentioned, happening in New Jersey right now. That I don't I don't know where this suggestion came from because it wasn't from us. Um, I'm, no. <laughs> I don't think it was from the the native plant society, but no. it's kind of happening on its own, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. which is nice to see, but. The Native Plant Society should have a, a voice in how that is because many of you are the experts when it comes to the native plants, especially in the state of New Jersey. Yeah, we, and we don't have too many botanists. Uh, I'm an old-fashioned botanist, and I think I have a, a bigger perspective on you know where it came from and where it's going. Uh, a lot of people are a special interest. So you know, we have horticultural interests, we have the uh, corporate interests, and um, you know they've got their own uh, interests to look forward uh, to to look at and uh, consider, and they're not looking basically at the ecological impacts of some of these. So uh, I, I think we need more scientists that are broad and long thinking long term. So we have a lot of short term thinking, short term profits, and that's sort of what we're worried about. Uh, these interests are really. Uh, quite strong in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and so uh, we're, you know, we're looking at the like the forest interests, uh, and they they keep saying, "Well, we're not making much money on this," but I think they're making quite a bit of money. I do woodworking, and you know, wood is between five dollars and fifteen dollars a board foot, and one tree's got you know forty thousand board feet. That's a considerable amount of money, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Have Have you ever had any? government representatives reach out to the native plant society for for information uh i don't think so okay <laughs> just, just curious uh, we we haven't had a very big footprint in in the state we're, we're trying to develop that uh with our legislative committee and one person actually works there in trenton okay so you know she keeps she uh, tara can keep a an eye on what's going on and uh we have to um speak up at the committee meetings. So we should have a person speaking up at least ex- uh, to uh, present our, uh, our viewpoints on, on uh, native plants, because that's what we're interested in. And um, for many of us, uh, especially the home gardeners, we don't have an economic interest in it. So, you know, uh, you know, follow the money and everything that, that can um, change your outlook quite a bit. And I think we have a little bit a broader perspective because, uh, you know, it doesn't affect us economically. So um, it just affects uh, 
us maybe uh, in our gardens and, you know, how pretty it is or, or whatever, but it's uh, the, the economic interest can, can skew your, your, your thoughts quite a bit. Yeah. And so that's what we're afraid of. But it, you may not have a economic interest, but if it's affecting you locally, it can affect your, your happiness. Just mm-hmm. if, if yeah. open, mm-hmm. open natural land across the street from you that were woods are now going to be a development or a warehouse and it, it changes your life on a day-to-day basis, it has an impact. Um, yeah. the, you know, the loss so, of species. The you, loss of species is important because that, uh, as you lose the plant species, you lose your animal species, and you lose the whole ecological system. And and then you know we're we're down to asphalt and concrete, and you know, and there's no diversity. <laughs> very yeah. little else. Yeah. So it's it's important for everyone. So I I, I love seeing that that's a step that the Native Plant Society in New Jersey is taking because that's an important step. And I, I love that that that's on your, your plate at this point. It is a little controversial, though. I mean, we have lost members and you will, if you take a stand mm-hmm. one way or the other, then, you know, other people disagree with your stand. Uh, you, you know, you put forth a certain position and they say, well, no, it shouldn't quite be that way. It should be, you know, I think our goals are always the same. We really want to preserve these plants. We want to preserve the environment. We want to leave a, a legacy for our children. And uh, But exactly how we go about doing that and uh, what interests are, you know, whose feet are going to be stepped on, um, that that's different. Uh, everybody has a different idea of how to accomplish these goals. And sometimes it gets a little uh, contentious. So uh, we have lost people. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, and it's and that's always a, a hard thing, regardless of the organization, um, because you you want it to be big, happy, and harmonious, mm-hmm. and and have a a straightforward goal. But not everyone has those same ideas, and unfortunately, you know, it's you never want to see anyone leave or or not be a part of it. But sometimes it just is necessary, and hopefully, they find a path or. or an organization that better fits what they're looking for to make them happy too. So mm-hmm. better, better that than, than have controversy. <laughs> um, having been part of the native plant society of New Jersey for, well, I guess it's almost nearly 40, 40 years. years. Yeah. Nearly 40 years. What are some of your, your favorite experiences or favorite memories over the years, uh, being a part of this organization? Well, um, we just had a um, uh, a dig and a weed and uh, I, I called it weed and feed. So um, the weeding is uh, what we do, and the feeding is what the Native Plant Society did for us. We uh, chipped in some money and we fed the people, not the plants. Nice. <laughs> it's usually weed and feed the plants, but I thought weed and feed us. And uh, so uh, I think that really went pretty well, uh, very nicely. Uh, we all work together. You know, it's common working together, and you know we. We gave up a Saturday. It's uh, our uh, little uh, one-acre preserve is uh, away from everybody else, and uh, it took some people an hour and a half to drive there. And so uh, you're giving up a whole Saturday, and you're working, and you're not getting paid, <laughs> and it's just because you're um, you think that this is important. So uh, we took out a lot of woody. Uh, Plants, weeds, and uh, we planted uh, material uh, from Pinelands, actually. And um, we um, ate a lot. Uh, we took a lot, a lot of food home. Uh, and uh, 
then I um, gave out, I said, let's, let's have fun. So let's, uh, we, we had a contest and we gave out prizes, uh, you know, a $50 gift certificate, which I think is, you know, significant. Yeah, you can yeah. get a meal with it. And uh, we gave out a $20 gift certificate as second prize. And uh, my wife would not let me put our, ourselves in. She said, no, <laughs> I said, look, I'm working too. <laughs> yeah. and, and what was the contest? Was it like how many weeds? Well, were it was just a drawing. We just took a drawing. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. And it did go to some of the hardest working people. So I think that worked out pretty nicely. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. But th- that sounds like a great opportunity to to spend time with like-minded people and, and possibly mm-hmm. make lasting friendships, which I, I'm I'm assuming, I'm sure that, that over the years you've made some pretty invaluable friendships uh, with with other members over the years. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think it was very it was very sociable and uh, um, we had good fellowship there. It's uh, uh, it was one of the nice things to do, and I also enjoy the uh, discovery because uh, with this uh, group of people, we have a lot of contacts within the Native Plant Society, and then with other groups. There's the uh, Philadelphia Botanical Society. And uh, the a um, uh, couple of the other groups. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, anyway, so um, what we do is um, these people know where all the rare plants are, which is oh, kind of okay. funny. So we can go out and you know we can see the the swamp pink in in nature. Uh, there you know you wander through. Uh, um, you you, need, you wouldn't be able to find these on your own. I mean, the, the state is fairly large, mm-hmm. even though it's a small state. Uh, so to wander, I guess, every uh, and cover every yard of New Jersey would probably take you a couple thousand years or maybe tens of thousands of years. <laughs> so you don't have that long. <laughs> yeah. now, if somebody can give you a GPS or just walk with you and, and point out the swamp pink right or, or, you know, around the corner, you know, we're, we're heading like 200 feet off the trail there was a little red spot there a marker there and you're wandering there and he says oh yeah yeah i found it i found it. here it is you know and then, and then you see you, know, you go to a really dark area and there's a swamp pink glowing in the the sunshine you know it's a, it's a it's a great moment and uh you know somebody gives you a rough idea of where to find the climbing fern well there aren't too many climbing ferns in new jersey there's only a couple spots and you wander around there you say well it's about time now i think to turn off and and look to find these and you know there it is you know it's great there's there's a climbing fern it looks just like the pictures on the internet and uh so we found the climbing fern uh we found the uh spreading globe flower which is uh very rare, um, our, our little version of it, uh, our, uh, our ecotype. And, uh, you know, those are exciting. There we are. We found it, and we can show other people, too, you know, on a very quiet basis. You don't want everybody no, yeah. finding it because then it, it tends to disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the orchids, uh, you know, we want to find orchids. Okay, well, maybe somebody will tell us where an orchid is, and maybe not. So we've gotten up to about... I think 25 or so orchids or so, and there's about 50 in New Jersey. Well, we're having a really hard time ha- uh, finding people that are go- going to let us know where the other orchids are. <laughs> they just don't tell us. And then we don't tell other people either because uh, you know, people go and dig these up. So yeah. it's, it's difficult, but it's really fun to find them. And somebody, one of our friends says, oh, yeah, sure, here. I know where the Arethusa is. 
It's on our property and you can go march in, you know, marching in, trampling everything, the seedlings and everything, you know, we do, you do damage as you're taking photographs. Yeah. So, uh, to let somebody, no, I'm not sure I'd let anyone in <laughs> to, uh, see my Arethusa, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got permission. Can I walk over there? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Walk over there. And then we are taking photographs. And as you back up, you're probably knocking into seedlings and so forth. But, um, uh, you know, it's really fun to see a rare plant that nobody else has seen. Um, you know, or very few people have seen. I'm very jealous now. Yeah. After that <laughs> list of things, I was like, I, I want to see all those. <laughs> yeah, we, we got fly poison. You know, fly poison is common down south, but in New Jersey, it's really rare. And, uh, yeah, quite a few things. We're going to have some uh, hikes on um, common things. So, you know, like okay. the world begonia, which is not terribly common and the dwarf jinx and things like that, which are, you know, a little harder to find, but. Those are all awesome things. I'm, I'm really excited just hearing about those. Cause those are all things I would want to be a part of. See, okay. now well, I need to, I need to yeah. get, get my button here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, we, we talked a ton about the, the native plant society, in New Jersey. We would like to know a little bit about your background and kind of how, what led you to your line of work and what you do. Well, um, I, as I mentioned, we didn't have much of a, a budget. Uh, a, a spending budget when I was young. In fact, it was kind of close to zero. <laughs> and uh, well, your your things are um, your activities are limited. Um, I had no sports equipment, no b- baseballs, no baseball bats, helmets, and this and that kind of thing. Uh, I had a bicycle, <laughs> which was good. But um, so we were living in Missouri at the time. And uh, there's a cow pasture in the backyard. So I could walk along the cow pasture, you know, uh, you sneak under the fence and uh, walk along the cow pasture. And there were native plants there. Uh, I think it was probably a spring beauty. It's uh, been, uh, you know, like 70 some years. So I'm not exactly sure what plants were out there, but there were some interesting plants there. And uh, then we moved to uh, Brooklyn and, you know, no plants around. Uh, <laughs> we're in the concrete jungle. But um, I had uh, grapefruit seeds. The grapefruit seeds, if uh, the old grapefruits before they kept them in good storage, started sprouting. So the seeds would sprout inside the grapefruit. You don't see that anymore. Yeah. But they, they used to store them just at room temperature, and the grapefruits would start sprouting inside the grapefruit. i say, hey, what's this? You know, <laughs> popped it in the ground, and, you know, and out came a grapefruit tree. It never bloomed because it was always a dwarf tree, and it's got to get up to like 14 feet before it starts blooming or so. But I grew them, and, uh, and it didn't cost much. I got some dirt off of vacant lots. You know, I stole the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> planted them the pots are pretty cheap and so i started growing plants and then um i started growing native plants uh after uh after i went to uh, camp actually i went to camp a uh, nature camp and that was free i took a test uh this was a free nature camp in new york city for new york city impoverished people like me and um, you had to take a test and pass it. So I passed the test because I was interested in plants and I kept up a little bit of knowledge on, um, you know, photosynthesis and what is a plant and that kind of thing. So I passed the test and I got to this free camp for one month. And uh, at this camp, there was a, a Dr. Grace Peterson and she was uh, very knowledgeable. She was a, a um, PhD botanist. And um, she showed us all sorts of native plants. And uh, also she showed me a slime mold. 
And I said, what's that? And what does it do? And she didn't know very much about the slime mold, which sort of intrigued me. How does it move? And all that sort of stuff. And then I went to college and I took a botany course, of course, why not? And the teacher uh, was uh, O'Neill Ray Collins, and he was growing slime molds as his research uh, program. And I said, oh, great. Yeah, let me grow some of those. So he gave me some Petri dishes with slime molds in them. I watched them, and I uh, did a little study on them. And uh, then I worked in his lab. I said, oh, yeah, well, um, I'm interested in this. And I volunteered for his lab. And he said, well, I can't pay you. I don't have any grant money. And I said, no, that's fine. I, I just want the, the experience, and which was great because he paid me be, by uh, introducing me to uh, graduate school. And what he did was he called up his friend. Uh, I was ready to graduate. He says, calls up his friend at Brown University, Melvin Fuller, and he says, hey, I've got a good student for you. And Melvin Fuller said, okay, send him over. And that was my introduction to grad school. Wow. Now, um, if you didn't have that introduction, you would go in a big pile of maybe two or 300 uh, other people, and they would look at my grades and say, these are kind of mediocre grades. <laughs> and, um, you know, nah, nah, you don't get a, uh, a uh, assistantship or anything like that. Well, I got an assistantship, and I worked hard. I got a master's degree at uh, Brown University. And then my advisor from Queens College shifted over to Wayne State University. Now he had a graduate program and graduate students, and he took me on as a graduate student. So I, you know, didn't have to do much applying there either. I just set my application in, <laughs> and uh, I got my um, PhD in um, on slime in slime molds. But I also did quite a bit of mycology and botany studies and so forth. So uh, that's how I got introduced into botany. Awesome. And um, then I got into the Native Plant Society uh, as that formed in New Jersey. Awesome. Awesome. So, and, and it's like really, really that, fast. That, <laughs> and Hubert, I've known you for probably going on 10 years now. And I didn't even know all that. That's really, really Oh, impressive. I think that's more than that. Yeah. I saw you when you were. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. When I was old. like a really little kid, too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, now now we know someone. If we want to know more about slime mold, yeah. who we can who oh, now yeah, we know well, someone well, we I can have ask. A few experts on slime molds. I'm on the acellular slime molds, but I know a little bit about the cellular slime molds too, because you have to know the cellular slime molds. Because everybody says, "Oh, are you talking about dictyostelium?" And I said, "No, that's the cellular slime mold. I'm with the acellular slime mold." But <laughs> I know them too. Now, did you mention you were a professor at University of Delaware? I was at University of Delaware, but that was before um, uh, our, our famous guy down there uh, <laughs> came on board. So uh, <laughs> I had left then to uh, go to um, uh, New Jersey okay. before that. All right. Awesome. Um, what, Doug Ptolemy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what would you say over the years has been part of the most interesting part of your job or, or your favorite part of your job? Well, um, the um, we have some uh, grants which are um, that um, this was interesting too. So uh, Philip sixty six said to us, um, uh, "We're giving out grants. Uh, why don't you apply?" And I said, "Okay, <laughs> uh, I think they had some extra money or something, or somebody got off their grant program and they need to ex- needed to uh, expand or you know keep up the the level of support." And I said, uh, okay, well, I, I wrote up a little uh, one-page thing and said uh, something like this, you know, how about if I expand some of these? 
And uh, they said, well, fine. That's uh, what you wrote up was fine. I said, it was? I mean, it's <laughs> very brief, one page of uh, project, possible projects or something like that that we were interested in. They said, well, turn that in. And I said, mm, I think we've got a pretty good shot at this. <laughs> so uh, turned it in and uh, they gave us uh, $10,000 uh, for one year. And uh, then they called us up again and said, hey, we're doing it again, you know, and uh, why don't you put your application in again? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, that gave us $20,000. And, uh, you know, I've never had $20,000 just to play around with. So uh, we gave out um, uh, eight mini grants of $500 each to uh, esta- help establish um, native gardens, um, a lot of pollinator gardens and rain gardens. So uh, that went out to, uh, you know, for um, little grant proposals from people. And we got, I think, like 14 grant proposals. Wow. I was thinking of only doing four. And I said, well, let's expand it to eight. We should have expanded it probably to 15. We could have done it also and just uh, fund everybody. So we turned a couple people down, unfortunately. But uh, so we gave out eight uh, mini grants. And, uh, you know, I think that's... um, you know, it's a positive contribution. We've got those gardens now, and they're writing reports up for us. And then I put in for uh, doing a film. Uh, I think the biggest problem that we have is education. And what we should do is educate the young people, uh, starting at five years old or maybe earlier. Uh, if we can reach the young people, that's our future. That's the future of business. It's the future of uh, ecology. You know, we've got to reach the young people. And if you talk to young people, I've only talked to a large group of young people. I've done one elementary high school, the whole high school auditorium. And you say something to young people and they think about it and they say, yeah, that's right. And it changes their behavior. You talk to a group of older gardening people, you know, uh, garden club people, and they said, yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice for you, but it's not nice for me. And I don't believe it. I don't really, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I think it might be all right, but they, you know, they don't buy into it wholeheartedly. Now, the young people do. They say, you're right. And this, I'm, I'm sure, is going to change their behavior when they're voting, when they're selecting plants for their garden. You know, just their whole outlook on life is changes when they're young. So, um, I put in for uh, doing a film uh, using young people. Of course, the pandec- pandemic came in, and it's a little hard to get access to kids now, but uh, hopefully with this uh, vaccine for children, uh, we can go ahead with that program. It's pushed back a couple of years. But uh, I want to buy, start buying the equipment, get, mm-hmm. getting the cameras, the microphones, you know, the parabolic reflectors, and uh, I've got the money for it. You know, I really just ought to spend it. So if I can get myself uh, going here, um, I'm going to go spend a whole bunch of money. <laughs> but that's fantastic. I mean, we've we've mentioned a few times. Really, we we see changing. You know, as as people get set in their ways, it's it's harder to change their perception. But if you can reach the younger generation early on and change their perception from the get go, then it it it's just going to pay greater dividends. Yeah, we've we've got to get through to the school boards, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think. Uh, we have one program in uh, Belmede, and that's um, Arbor Day. So at least they're getting a little bit of botany there. And so I, I've given out, uh, uh, I've presented uh, 
two, I guess, programs on Arbor Day, two or three, don't remember, uh, on Arbor Day and the importance of plants and so forth, trees and, and you know, change in the, the climate, the microclimates and the um, just the importance of wood and, and uh, habitat for uh, uh, birds and uh, squirrels and everybody else that uh, depends on, on trees. Uh, but we should have programs, uh, ecological programs like this, maybe for at third grade or maybe earlier for uh, the school systems. And we've, we've got the expertise. Uh, it wouldn't take much for, you know, any of us to make a half hour program, one hour program, you know, in the assemblies that they have. And uh, uh, I think most of the science teachers don't know an awful lot about why plants are important. Mm-hmm. Now we do. We should we should share this knowledge, and I think it's important for the the environment. It's important for society that um, we know uh, what's going on out there. Uh, you know, the botany departments in the country. There's only about a dozen botany departments in the United States. Mm. They're putting out, I think, 200 graduates a year. It's one of I think it's like 40th on the career lists. Wow. And uh, there's a lot of ag schools. There's quite a few of those. But that's applied botany. I think we need some pure botany, too. We should have a balance of pure botany and uh, applied botany. And we, do, we don't. There's almost no uh, pure botany degrees left anymore in the United States. So, um, so we've got to educate the people in, in sort of more basics of what's going on. And, you know, what are the plants doing out there? People don't realize if you don't have any plants, you don't have any people or no, no animals, no people. You can't breathe. You know, we, we like to breathe. We like to eat. <laughs> uh, we do need plants. We do. That, that, I, I love that idea. Yeah. That is a, a wonderful idea. So yeah. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, we're about wrapped up, but we do have one question that we ask everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's I don't think simple. I've been more excited for an answer, yeah, than than right now because it's, I know you're going to really bring something I've probably never experienced before. It's the most simple yet hardest question we ask, and we we always save it till the the very end. And it's it's quite simply, what is your favorite native plant? Tom just like leaned in, like I could tell he's excited, like he just like, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear this. Okay, well, um, I'm gonna I'll cheat a little bit because <laughs> I've got three. <laughs> that, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. Uh, what I like is uh, the cardinal flower. We've got one under our living room, our, our dining room window, so we watch it every uh, every day uh, when it's blooming. <laughs> it's not doing too well right now, but uh, it's down to the basil rosette now. But um, you know, the, the hummingbirds come by. So if you've got four or five cardinal flowers the hummingbirds are going to find it yeah and uh it's just great to watch the hummingbirds buzzing around and the the butterflies some of them cheat i think and they they bite little holes in because their tongues aren't mm-hmm. long enough but um you know it's it's great watching the the hummingbirds there so um and uh my wife did a little um uh write-up uh on our website on um how the pollination occurs in the uh, a cardinal flower. Mm-hmm. And the cardinal flower doesn't just sort of release pollen. It pushes it out. The pollen is released mm-hmm. inside the, the cardinal flower. And a little plunger comes up. That's the pistil. And the pistil's not active at this time. It pushes the, uh, 
the pollen up through the pollen tube. It releases the pollen uh, in sticky globs on for the insects. And then the, the, the uh, stigma becomes uh, receptive after that. Mm. So uh, you don't see pollen going all over the place. And um, you know, I think this is a really weird mechanism here. <laughs> and so I think it's a really interesting plant. And then I like the strawberry bush because it's just got such wild colors. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and uh, we had strawberry bush growing in Delaware behind uh, our uh, on our property. I I saved our property. They were going to mow everything. Uh, the, the bulldozers were back there pushing. It was straightening out. You know that's what yeah. you do when you put up a development. You straighten mm-hmm. out the yard. Well, that means you, you you remove all the native plant cover. And I said, wait, 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 don't, don't mow it down. Just leave it. I, I like these puddles here. It's okay. Don't worry about it. So I stopped the bulldozer actually right in my backyard. And uh, we had um, these um, strawberry bush there. So uh, it's, the fat color is fantastic. And um, if you leave the berries there, then uh, the migrating birds, most birds don't like it very much. But then as they migrate and uh, certain ones come through, they'll eat them all all up at the same time so that's a uh, uh, rather it's a really fantastic plant and then i like the st- flowering strawberry uh, a flowering raspberry because i saw it first at uh, northrop camp where i sort of first fell in love with native plants and it's got such a beautiful color and i think our flowering strawberry uh, raspberry is much prettier than the west coast one uh, which is kind of white and pale pink and ours is it can be a beautiful, uh, deep color. Those, those so, are wonderful. Those are, yeah. those are wonderful choices. Tom, were you, were you satisfied? I was that? because of the, <laughs> I'm trying to find that article on Cardinal flower now because I've oh, always, Millie has, Millie has yeah. that on the, uh, on yeah. her, on the website. God, yeah. I'll have to look that up because, uh, yeah. that's something I've always, I guess I, I noticed a lot of the, the bees would chew holes in the bottom to, to get the nectar out. Uh-huh, um, yeah. But I didn't know that about how the, the the pistol would push the pollen up, and then that well, after that's that, kind that's of strange. Was, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. very different from a, a lot of other things. Yeah. So that was very interesting. We'll have to look that up. We'll have maybe we can add that to our show notes on the website. Yeah, yeah. That okay. article. You so. Just ask Millie; she's all all read up on it. Awesome. <laughs> so, now, Hubert, do you have a, a final thought that you'd like to to leave us with? Well, I think um, you know the native plants are really important um you know we we can't survive without them well and if we tried you know our existence would really be impoverished with uh without native plants so um i think uh, a loss of any species is you know a really loss for mankind so and the way we're going um we're, we're going to lose we're going to lose species mm-hmm. uh, and so hopefully we can hold this to a minimum and maybe reintroduce things from other states, uh, which, of course, our uh, DEP does not like us to do. They don't want us to bring anything else in. But they're going to come in anyway. <laughs> they're coming in from the south. I think we should look at uh, Maryland and Virginia and Delaware because, you know, and call those native because they're going to come up north anyway. You know, plants are marching north. And um, so I think we should adjust to that, uh, expand our definition of native plants and really encourage uh, what's happening naturally, mm-hmm. or maybe unnaturally, but you know it's going to happen anyway. We also have to accept the invasives. I mean, they are here, <laughs> uh, unless 
we were to put a bounty of you know one dollar on every uh, garlic mustard or something, or, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be here. Uh, so um, uh, we're gonna have to live with them, and uh, we're going to have to uh, create environments that encourage native plants, but uh, don't exclude the invasives because there's not much we can do about them. So the, the landscape is changing, and um, I think we should be active in producing as um, viable and as uh, rich an environment as we can, as we can pass along to our, our grandchildren. That is a wonderful final thought. Tom, would you like me to go or would you uh, like to friend, go? You can go first this All time. Right. I feel like I'd, I'd go first a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mine's pretty simple. When I, when I think of the Native Plant Society, I think of a lot of the stories that Don and Suzanne Knezic have, have talked about and the friendships – that that they've made throughout the years and and even though it's 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 serving a lot of very important purposes i i think one thing that that we overlook is the camaraderie you get by joining together for some of these purposes and and we kind of push people towards all these organizations you know but this is one that's particularly local with with people that have the same interests and it, it's always nice to be able to share that with someone and and have friends. That, you know, none of my friends um, really have an interest in in plants or native plants. Um, so if you want that camaraderie with with other people, this is an opportunity where you can make friends and and be a part of something and do something that you love and be able to share that experience. Because I'm sure Agatha would love for me to stop telling her. <laughs> All the native plant facts that I that I know, I, I'm sure she likes it. But I'm sure you know if if you're looking for other like-minded people, this is a great organization to be a part of, where you can do great things and meet other great people. Um, and I I really recommend it. Yeah, that and that lines up pretty much uh, pretty well with what I was going to say too. Um, what I learned today is that there's so much more to the Native Plant Society in New Jersey that I thought. That they offered. I've gone to the annual meetings. It seems like they had one in Medford, New Jersey, another one in, at Raritan Valley Community College in northern New Jersey in the fall. I would go to those. I'd go to an occasional chapter meeting. I didn't know about some of the, the garden tours and hikes and, and those kind of things. Now all the webinars that are happening. Um, there's something for you to get involved with, whatever your level. Whether you just you want to show up one weekend a year, well, you can. you're able to do that. Uh, if you want to actually get your hands dirty and, and get involved in a, a, a weed and feed, like Huber said, there's the opportunity to do that. You want to go and see uh, on a hike to see a, a rare plant, there's opportunities to do that. And at the very least, you'll at least make the connections that maybe you can do that off the, the normal meeting route as well. So there's a lot going on there. It's important you get involved. Um, if you haven't signed up for the, the annual meeting yet, do that now, and uh, if you are already signed up, make sure you get a, a friend to sign up as well. That's the the best thing you can probably do to help grow this organization and get more people involved is to reach out to some friends. Even if it's you have a friend that you know likes to garden, say, hey, you should check this out. They have some really cool, uh, a really cool presentation about turning your front lawn into a garden, a native plant garden. That's a great way to get someone introduced to this topic and get them on board. Now, I know not all of our listeners are in New Jersey, so you don't have to be in New Jersey. If you if you want to learn from the presentations at the conference, please sign up or or look into your local Native Plant Society uh, in your state or, or your area to be a part of because exactly. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover. But uh, take advantage of the resources of this one or other ones depending you – know, regardless, 
Yeah. Regardless of where you're at, there's some great information out there that you could take advantage of. And that is it. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy listening to Hubert Ling from the Native Plant Society of New Jersey. For more information, you can visit their website, which is www.npsnj.org. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. Thank you to the egocentric plastic men for contributing our theme music. Make sure you stream or buy their music wherever you consume music. Live music is back, so uh, I believe they're playing a show at the Grape Room. Uh, as Green Day, so uh, they're doing a little uh, uh, a little uh, fun concert like that. So make sure you support live music as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery as well. Uh, we have the question and answer line. Uh, it's been a little quiet, but we did get a um, a call for Tom last week as the bird lady, and I have a surprise uh, call for Tom for next week, actually. Oh, no. All the phone calls are for Tom. <laughs> so uh, and you can call that number at 215-346-6189. You can ask a question or leave a comment. When we play your question or comment on the next episode of The Buzz, we'll uh, answer it to the best of our knowledge or we'll we'll phone a friend to get an answer for you. Um, and let's not forget the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. You've all been really active. Again, it keeps growing. Uh, every time I look, I'm surprised at how many new members and the conversations have been great. Thank you, everyone, for sharing all your uh, wonderful activities. Um, and we'll keep the conversation going over there. Yeah. Um, quick reminder about the the Saul drawing contest. Yes. That ends, what did we say, next week? Next week. Yeah, so get your entry in if you don't have it in on time. You can still send it to us, but we're not going to consider it for for the no. the judging. No, Tom and I are going to pick our our favorite, and then we're going to put all the others up on the Facebook group for you to vote and and pick your favorite, and then those two will go to Saul. Yeah, Saul himself is going to pick up or is going to pick his favorite, and that's yes. going to be the winner. So, and if you want to vote and and see the entries, you have to be a member of the Facebook yeah. group. So, uh, you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet t-shirts by going to our website www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com there's a bar right at the top that says buy t-shirts here and uh, you're supporting native plants and conservation when you do that because all the money that we generate from those t-shirts is going to uh, the organizations like we have on the podcast to that are doing the hands-on work so uh, we sold a couple more this past week Mm -hmm. and um, and we're looking as we approach the holiday season uh, selling quite a few more so we can donate some more money. Yes. So and they make um, a great holiday present. They do. Yeah. It's a great, <laughs> great holiday gift. So, uh, you can check us out on Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, really wherever you consume your podcast. You can even ask Alexa to play the native plants, healthy planet cop podcast. When you're there, do us a favor. Uh, please leave a review, a five star review. And if you write something, I can, uh, give you a little shout out. Although we did find out you can't really review on Spotify. I don't know why I thought you But could. they did contact us. And they contact us and I have a uh, yeah, I have someone to give a shout out to. So that's wonderful. So, so with that, thank you everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Hubert, thank you for taking time out of your day and joining us today. We really appreciate it. Uh we have a buzz episode coming up next. Uh topic to be determined. Uh we haven't figured that out yet, but I'm sure we will soon. So make sure you tune in. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.